You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And the Flyers find themselves on the brink. This is episode 47 of Orange and Backcheck. Let's talk about games three and four right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Well, this is looking mighty gloomy, as one people would say. Uh, Flyers are not playing their best hockey. They are fighting a team that is clearly better than them. Uh, they have dropped now their first back-to-back game since January of this year, all the way back in January, because we forgot we're also dealing with pandemic. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. No, no complaints. No complaints at all. It sucks that there are the flies. No, really, like, it, you know, could I sit here and whine and say things that people are saying like on Twitter and stuff? Yeah, I could. But at the end of the day, look, eh, the Flyers are playing a very good team right now. I think the people are looking at this the wrong way, that the Flyers are not playing well. They're playing a much better team, a team that's ready to take that next step. Next step. The Flyers aren't there yet. Now, I'm not saying this series is completely over, but so far through four games of this series – uh, the Flyers have essentially been one goal away from being swept. So one team has clearly been dominating them for the entire time. So um, look, it, it's they're still there's still light at the end of the tunnel. You still they still have to win the fourth, and I expect the Flyers to come out on Tuesday and be ready to roll. But there's a lot to unpack in these last two games here to kind of talk about why they're in the position they're in. Yeah, and I think that's where. Well, let's start on tonight's game, Game Five. Uh, uh, game four. Game four. Sorry, I, I'm just kidding. I, I keep forgetting that this. I don't know why I keep thinking I'm, we're one game ahead. Anyway, game four. Uh, I, I my I, I don't know. Whatever. It's it, like I'm, my days are so off. My numbers are so off. Like it's just at this point, just two is three, four is five, and everything doesn't matter anymore. That's really no, what it comes down that, to. That's 2020 for you. Yeah. So <laughs> game four, let's start with that. Uh, the Flyers lost three to two, very similar to game four or game three. See, again, oh, game three in the, aspect, the place. What game are we talking about here? We're talking about game four, but okay. it was similar to game three because they lost three, two. Uh, but at the same time, they could have easily lost three, one. And they had a situation where they had to pull the goalie again, Brian Elliott tonight. Uh, and they managed to get a goal. It was a nice goal by Provorov from the point, but it it just never seems. I think that it all starts in the first period. A lot of people, uh, including myself, were excited 
tonight where they said, okay, we're, the forecheck's looking good. It, it, it has itself established in the first period about that first 10 minutes, 11 minutes or so. And then the Islanders, once the Islanders find their groove, find their footing – the all of a sudden they're just playing on their on their back feet. They're playing on the heels. They're not getting their footing. They're not moving their feet at all in terms of the flyers. And they find themselves in these holes that they find that they they have found themselves in the last two games. And it culminated tonight with a three two loss. I, I just I think we're at a point where we have to accept the Islanders are the better team through and through, right? Well, I said that going into this whole thing. That's why I predicted the Islanders in seven. Nobody wants to give the Islanders. Look, let's take, if you want to really take a look at this as a whole, let's rewind all the way back to the start of this thing. Everybody got really jacked up when they beat the Penguins in the exhibition game. Then they go in and they sweep the round robin and get the first overall seed and go in and, and, and kind of fend off a, a pretty solid Montreal team and really fought them really hard. So people had a lot of good feelings going into this but you you can't look at this and discount other teams i think the i think a lot of people aren't giving the islanders enough respect about how well they how good they are now everybody wants to say well they they were sliding at the end of the uh before the shutdown yeah that's before the shutdown they've had they had yeah. four months to kind of get it back into a groove they lost 11 out of 13 and seven out of eight uh before they uh before the shutdown happened they were on the verge of being out of the playoff race but good teams find a way to regroup and make it work. They have a lot of talent on that team. I think the people probably have not realized before. Defensively, they're more of a unit team. There really isn't a huge standout guy on their team defensively. But offensively, they have a lot of weapons. We've seen Anders Lee be right in front of the net and getting dirty goals. We've seen Matt Barzell make ridiculous passes in this whole thing, which he set up one tonight. He had one in game, I believe it was game one. Um, you, you see that Brock Nelson's got a really decent shot. If he gets a little time at the top of the uh, uh, top of the slot that like he did tonight, he ripped that thing far, far corner. Like, the, the, they have talent. Anthony Bavillier is going to be one of the league's top players in the next couple years here, just the way you can see his progression going. They have a lot of good talent on that team, and they're very well coached at Barry Trotz, who's won a Stanley Cup. So when you add all that in together, people shouldn't be that upset about the fact that they're down 3-1. It should be kind of expected that, okay, a couple bounces here and there, it could be a different series, which is true. But at the same time, good teams find a way to get it done, and the Islanders are doing that right now. It's not that the Flyers are playing poorly. I mean, tonight, for goodness sakes, they had 38 shots on goal. Thomas Grice stood on his head. You can't say they had a bad game tonight. They did. They played mostly really well. Just one, the Islanders are just a better overall team, and their top guys are producing. Yeah, and I, I, I well, and that, that that's really the point. Over this entire series, the flot, the Islanders' top line, their their top six, really top to bottom. You could say their top to entire top twelve, their entire twelve uh, forwards compared to the Flyers' top six forwards are producing compared to the Flyers. Like Claude Giroux, still he had a decent game tonight. Well, I'll give him that. He was in a lot of dirty areas. He was trying to set up a lot of plays. Um, but again, he's not scoring points. He's not scoring goals. And that's what you need to do. And I know everyone's going back to, you have him on the books for another $8.2 million, whatever it is, 8.3. But it's just, it's, I'm not, I don't, at the end of it, I don't care about money. Like money, it's not my money. It's not your money, Scott. Like this, this notion in 2020, and really it's, it goes back to when, 
I blame, as weird as this is going to say, I love video games, but ever since video games have gotten extremely, extremely realistic in terms of how the GM and how you manage the cap in video games has become (laughs) super realistic, everyone thinks that they're able to now negotiate a contract, and that's just simply not how it works. So I don't care about armchair GMs. Exactly. It's armchair quarterbacks. It's armchair GMs. It's armchair forwards in hockey. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Claude Giroux just needs to figure out where he's been in the playoffs since 2012 against the Pittsburgh Penguins when he had the shift against Crosby laying him on his ass and then scoring the goal 15 or 20 seconds later. Like, I, I get that people need Claude Giroux to score goals, but it's not just him that we have to focus on. We can focus on the captain because he ha- the, because he has the C on his chest any night in and night out. But Travis Connecting's not scoring. Kevin Hayes is not scoring. JVR, who's on the third line now, is not producing in any way, shape, or form. He had a decent. They had a decent game in Game Three, the, the third line. But again, they're not scoring. This entire team, other than Game Two when they scored the fourth goal, four goals, three in regulation, they haven't scored. At all this series, they scored two goals tonight. One of them, one of them of which was with an empty netter. So they, or excuse me, with the empty net, with the goalie pulled. So they had a man up. And the other time was, it was an even strength goal. They're not scoring enough on five on five. And the refs are swallowing their, their whistles this series. Now you can argue like, of all for it. Like I would like to kind of see them because the Flyers, albeit have been getting away with a lot of stuff, just like the Islanders have. But at some point the refs need to say, we need to start calling things in my opinion. Like I get you want the game to flow and you want the game, these players to work themselves out, but you also have to call a fair game. I saw two or three tripping penalties or cross jumping penalties that went swallowed on both sides. And it's just like, I get you want to get, let this game flow, but you also got to call the obvious stuff, refs, and that is what I think is really harming them. Because as piss poor as the fly, dog shit as the power play was tonight, I think they only had two chances tonight, maybe even only one. Yeah, they only had one chance because the other penalty was a four-on-four. You have to start calling stuff so this dog shit power play can get itself going because that's the only way this team is going to win at this point. Well, I mean, th- let's let's take a step back again. You know, all these are culminations of things that we we – you know, talked about beforehand, you know, when they were in training camp and reporters are saying, man, they have not looked good on the power play. Well, obviously something's going on there. Whatever's not reason it's not clicking, it wasn't clicking because it was clicking during the regular season. They had a pretty decent power play. I I, I, I go to a couple things here. The refs, look, at the end of the day, you, 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 the refs are going to call it the way they're going to call it. You can't control that. The players can't control that. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And believe me, if the Flyers aren't converting on the power play anyway, it's probably better that they are 5-on-5 five because five it's going to be a little less frustrating. Is it, though? Because it, it's just as frustrating right now for 5-on-5. Five five. Like, it, they're it, they're not scoring. Everybody's frustrated. It, that's exactly what the point is. That you're down 3-1 in a series you could technically be up in, but you're not because your top I, guys aren't producing. At the end of the day, right. you need your top guys producing. We can talk in yeah, circles about this every podcast, but that's exactly what it is. My point is I think you have a better chance of the top six getting its groove going on a power play scenario where you're a man up just to get them going to them producing on the five on five rather than getting them trying to get going straight up on the five on five yeah, but systematically they're moving the puck too slow they're trying to break the the the, the islanders are doing exactly what the canadians are doing they're they're, they're collapsing to the oh, slot absolutely. Yep. and they're not allowing any kind of point what frustrated me and nbc talked about this a little bit tonight the high low play 
the Flyers, when they establish their forecheck, you see a lot of plays get down low. They grind it out. They get it back to the point, get play, get uh, get the pucks on net, and get traffic in. They hadn't been doing that at all. They had not been doing that on the power play whatsoever. They're trying to be patient. They're trying to be possessive. But at the same time, there was a couple of plays. I'm like, why? You have – there was one play I want to say with about like um, – a little under a minute left. Maybe it was before or after they scored the goal when they had possession of it again. But somebody just held the puck like on the slot on the corner. Maybe it had been Giroux off the circle for like three or four seconds. And I'm like, just shoot the damn thing. Like, yeah. it, it, you have to simplify your game at some point. I don't know why, but it seems like to me they're overthinking it. They're not playing yeah. their game. And I agree. I think they're trying to find something and be more creative when and sometimes just getting the puck to the net is the simplest way to do it because if like Grice or Varlamov put out a rebound, you have guys there and they had it when they were doing that, they were getting second and third chances. They just weren't going in tonight. But they're not continuously playing that way. And that's why I think people are frustrated because they all have these ebb and flows where they'll look like they're dominating like they did for the last five minutes of the second period, and then they'll go through the first ten of the third where they just are pretty much offensively inept. So yeah. it, it, that's that's the frustration there. And to your point, I think in the third period you saw a lot more of just straight-up hockey by the Flyers. And what I mean by that is they were getting pucks on net. They were getting Grice to move around a lot and get trying to get him off his bearings. And obviously it didn't work up until the, the goal late in the third to get it to a one-goal game that ultimately meant nothing. But I think it goes to your point, and I'm going all the way back to probably our second or third episode of this show, of this podcast, analytics. I don't know how much... AV and the rest of the staff utilizes analytics, but I think that's creeping into this. I think what's happening is, is, and I don't know, you brought this up. I don't know if tonight's decision to play Elliott was an analytical move rather than just a back-to-back scenario, but that's beside it. But I think what's creeping in the Flyers' forwards heads is the analytics, and I can't remember if it was Boosh or someone else in the I in think the booth. It was Eddie Olchek who said, was "I know it? exactly what you're talking about." Yeah, Eddie, they're, they're Eddie was talking it. about they're overthinking and they're worried about making the next turnover rather than the next pass because they don't want to have a number dictate if they're going to be in the nut the the lineup on Tuesday night for game five. And I think he's a hundred percent correct in the first two periods. Like they had, I think you said it, they had 39 shots tonight, but they also had 38 shots, but they also had 19 of them blocked. Like it's, it's something about this analytics and sports that creep when you're using it too much, that it creeps into the players heads. And then all of a sudden the number is being, now their motivation factor of what they want to do. They don't want to just get the puck on net. They want to create the best possible chance when they don't realize they are the best chance. They are, they have a clear shot or a relatively clean shot at the net to create something, as you said, an, a rebound off of Grice's pads, off Varlamov's pass, whoever it may be. And they're just looking for that next pass rather than the shot as well. It's going back to looking like a little bit like the Dave Haxtell days, a little, yeah, a little I bit agree. because they're they're looking for too much, the one extra pass when you just need to put it on that. I mean, look, I I can tell you, you know, from just like personal experience, like even when I when I play, there's some guys who just go for the extra pass, 
and it just takes it out of the play. When I'm thinking, man, if you shot that, you would have blown it past me. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, I just think- saying that in general. Like, you're, you're overall, sometimes these guys think a little bit too much. And if you want to think about the Flyers are using too much analytics, I have two words for you. Brian Elliott, analytics-driven yeah. decision. The analytics. You really think that? I don't think it was. Oh, I yeah. lean towards. I lean towards it was a because of you just can't, you're coming off a loss uh, uh, the night before against the Islanders, obviously in Game Three, and now you're down two to one at the time, and you just kind of want to make a change. Yep. And uh, analytics show that goalies who play back to back normally don't fare well on a second night on a back to back. How many times this yeah. season did the Flyers play their goalies back to back? That's true. I, I don't maybe think once. any. Yeah. Maybe once. Yeah, I don't think any. Maybe Carter Hart. Maybe I th- if I recall, I think Carter Hart had one game, two games this year, where uh, one time this year where he played back-to-back games. Other than that, it's always been either Elliott on the front end, Hart on the back end, or vice versa. So I, th- I think that was an analytics-driven decision because if you didn't think that, what would any reason the way Simeon Varlamov played the other uh, last night, what would Thomas Grice be in goal? So both teams looked at this analytically and did it that way. And you know what? And I, I don't listen. When I heard I mean, it, worked, Sarno, it worked I for the like, Islanders. It yeah, worked for it, the Islanders tonight. And it worked for a period and two periods for the Flyers too. It really did. Look, Brian Elliott played great tonight. Don't get me wrong. Brian Elliott did not play poorly whatsoever. I, I, I just think though that if you're looking at this, and you have a kid who you're trying to get the experience with and trying to help him mature and develop in the National Hockey League, you play him on a friggin' back-to-back night in the playoffs. Because you know what? There are times in the playoffs, even during a regular, normal-time, non-pandemic 2020 year, that you have back-to-back games and your starter needs to play. I don't agree with the move tonight. Would it have changed the outcome? Probably not. Let's be honest here. The way they score their goals, probably not. But at the end of the day, did you know what? Elliot calmed him down a bit. That's the truth, and that's a, good, that, that's a good way to go about it. But I mean, listen, if you're asking me, like I don't have a problem. Elliot started. He, he he he's more than capable. He played well tonight. But you roll with the kid. I, I, that's what I don't I understand. Know. This is a playoff game. You don't switch goaltenders unless there's an absolute necessity to do it. I don't you care know. if it's back to back. You don't do it. I get it. And, you know, thinking back and going back to game three to talk about that for a second, I think some of those goals by the Islanders were real bad goals. They I think were. They, I think they were real squeakers that uh, that Carter should have had. Yep. I think that pro- – I, I would – yeah, I, I – yeah, I think I, – because two of them were definitely squeakers, if I remember. Under I mean, the arm. Yeah. Your arm. It's been a problem I've been talking about with him all year long. Now, granted, listen, he's 20, he's 21 years old. He's 21 and 22. Right. He's like, it's just, it's just one of those things. He's 20, he just turned 22 last yeah. two Thursdays ago, whatever it may be. But it's to your point. I, I think what happened was it got in his head and, and he let up three bad goals. I say like two bad goals, but we'll, we'll, I, I, I'm not going to argue with, with, with you that on the details, but okay. Three bad goals. That could easily factor in. Like if he's letting up three bad goals on a, on on a night, and then the next night you're right back at it. Less than 24 hours later, uh, the time of the the the, whist, the final whistle uh, the on Saturday night, and then I don't I don't blame Vigneault. Again, I go back. I don't necessarily buy that this was an analytical decision. I think AV saw that Carter was struggling in Game Three, let up some three really bad goals. 
uh, that he probably should have stopped at least two of them to to change the narrative and what's going on in that game. Um, and I think it was just Elliot. Let's get some veteran presence and make 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 a make a change here just temporarily because there's no doubt in my mind that Carter Hart's going to be on Tuesday night. Well, without a doubt. But but here's here's my question though for you though, not to go back and forth on this. If it wasn't an analytics driven decision, then why was Thomas Greisingel? There was no reason to have well, I, I, Barlema pull. To be honest, I, I, to, be honest I, to be honest, I, I don't give two craps about the Islanders. Like well, in you terms should because they're up in the series right I now. I know, I get it, but I, this, I, I don't get, I don't care in terms of what uh, Barry Trotz decides to do. I'm it's worried back about to back. Mark Andre Fleury starting in, in Vegas right now, and Robin Leonard won the game with a shutout last night. So okay, all, all these are analytic driven decisions, and it's nonsense. Okay, put it this way. Do we believe that as much as we talked about earlier by my analytic man my anal, uh, uh, analysis of the Flyers offense being very analytical driven in terms of determining their shots and what these players have them to head. However, in terms of the the what are we at? 8 remaining teams throughout the NHL. You're right. Yes. We have yep. 8 remaining teams. Do you think AV is one of the top analytically driven coaches remaining, or do you think he's on the bottom end? I, I lean towards he's on the bottom end. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But what I've noticed of Vigneault is that I haven't seen really good in-game adjustments I've seen in between periods. And that goes to my game. If you remember a couple episodes ago, I brought up, I heard a caller on 94WIP adjust that. That was a Rangers fan. He has a hard time. He'll make adjustments in between games, yeah. in between periods, but he doesn't really – you don't really see him – do anything different because like what we saw the Flyers doing in the first period in offensive chances we saw in the third period it wasn't it was a lot of the same stuff it was a lot of dump and chase flip and hot flip what was the term that uh, I think it was uh, Eddie Olchek used the flip high method yeah. where they, they 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 try and get the puck in deep off the yep. uh, of just literally flipping it in high yep. uh, and chasing it in yep. like there was they were doing that in the first period, and they were doing that again in the third period. You don't see AV say, "Okay, let's do a hard entry in, let's do a roundabout in uh, to go hard around the boards rather than the high entry way." Like it, and maybe that's just because of of the Islander speed that he didn't want to challenge that, or he didn't think that was necessary. That's fine, but like you have to try something when you're down. Uh, suddenly two to one in the third period, uh, you can't just keep doing more of the same. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same result. Like that's, that's what we're at right now. And there's, and, and again, I think what also our expectations happened was AV's track record as a first year head coach, Vancouver went to the Stanley cup final. Uh, New York he didn't, go to, he didn't go to Cup Final in Vancouver in his first year. Sorry, uh, just the uh, Rangers. The Rangers, Rangers. First year, he went immediately to the Stanley Cup Final, and 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 then it kind of went downhill from there. So you kind of only want to see this, like you see this tight window with AV, and that's not necessarily that's not the case with just one team. Like I, I think we've also set our expectations to be the Stanley Cup Final strictly because of what AV has done in the past correct correct and i think that a lot of people just see that and the I've flyers done that. And, well we'll admit that i've done that well here's the thing if the you have to take it series by series because you know you you need sometimes you need the cards to fall your way let's look at it for example um let's look at boss let's look at boston boston they they lost their first game to carolina and steamrolled them and then all of a sudden Tukaraz can't play anymore in the second round against tampa and now guess what they're they're done 
Like they don't need the Tampa. The Tampa win that series. Or they won game away, game away from it. They're a game away. They're also yeah, three one. Yeah, so they're they're they they're they're, they're, they're ready to close that thing out too. And I mean that's that you need a little bit of a break here. So the the what's it called the the Lightning probably went from a little bit tougher series with having Raskin goal to having a bit of an easier series with Halak and goal. Honestly, it's just because it, that that's how much of a difference there is. But a lot of people, I think, took a look at this and said, oh, my God, the Flash got the first seed. They beat all the teams. Like, these were the top teams. They they did. You, you, I think a little too too much too quick. And here's why. They're still a young team. They still have, like, they have four guys who are under 25 on their blue line. I mean, they have up front where these guys were, you know, Sean Couturier, he's, he's 28, 27, 28 years old now. He's yep. a young. He's still a young guy. You know, Travis Connecting is a young guy. Uh, Kevin Hayes is still in like 27. And, still, and you still have Nolan Patrick and you yeah. still have Oscar Limblom in the wings. Right. No pun intended. Like that, that well, no one, no Patrick's a center. Here. You have like, a young team. I, 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 I'm sorry. I just got, there's a, I'm watching the Phillies game in the background to see if they'll come back. They're not going to. And there's an otter in the cardboard cutout. So I just got really distracted by that. Um, anyway, <laughs> sure to God, it's an otter. We're not a Phillies podcast. Why are you watching that for us? Because the Flyers are over. I mean, it's why. There's all Vegas the hockey on, you know. Yeah, that's Vegas. It definitely is. Mark Andre Fleury and his ridiculous gold-colored pads out in Vegas right now. Oh, that's always fun. That's what They're I want to see. Ugly like as sin. I do not know why anybody in their right mind would wear. Oh, Listen, fine. I can't I, stand all white gear. I'm such a nerd when it comes to that. I I'll go into that one day. I'm such a gear nerd when it comes to that. I cannot stand all white gear. These guys who wear these all white gears, it's so damn boring. You like to see a little color in the gear now and then. Corey Crawford's got it down on point. Darcy Kemper has one of the best sets because it matches the Kachina Phoenix jersey. But those gaudy gold things that you're wearing, man, like, come on. <laughs> gaudy. Mark Andre, they're, they're ridiculous looking. Anyway, I digress. But, uh, like, I, I honestly forget where I was going with my point uh, because I got distracted. I was saying by that they honor. were a young team and then you were yes. going off your auto. So I don't even know what your point was going to be. I, I, I really, like, I think that, but. That, I agree with you. I think, again, I overestimated how good this team could be in terms of their first time, really their first time in the playoffs. I I get we can talk about the Dave Haxtell playoff appearances, but, like, they got no experience out of that. They they got steamrolled by a Washington Capitals team that went on to win the Cup, a Pittsburgh Penguins team that that went deep. Like, it's just – it's not worth it to gauge this playoff experience other than 2012 when they were truly being – I and wouldn't that take was it. a completely different team. That the only two I mean. players are still there are just Drew and Voracek. Everybody else is and gone. Yeah, and Kateri, Coots, you're right. That's correct. Coots, yeah, you're right. People don't, like you rookie, said. It was rookie season, yeah. Yeah, Coots is 28. That was when he completely shut down Evgeny Malkin, and people really started to realize how good this player is. He's been in the league for 10 years almost now, and he, like you said, he's only 27, 28 years old. So your point is, is completely valid. How young this team is is – a good sign because again, AV can grow with them. It's not a scenario like he had in New York where he had an aging, uh, Henry Lundquist and just an, an aging roster as a whole. And all of a sudden that, like that he's in a time crunch for getting to the Stanley Cup final. And he just managed to ha- happen to have it, get it done in the first year of his, of his tenure there. And then it just, it, it never came to fruition after that. AV is going to be here for a long, long time. That's that was my original point. Like I, the expectations that we set with AV was 
um, Flyers fans in general. Honestly, our expectations of, of as a podcast haven't met. We predicted on our first ever, ever, ever episode, just get a playoff series win. And they've done that. It, technically twice if you want to count the round robin as a playoff series uh, to secure the number one seed. And then you beat a good Montreal team that was on a hot streak. So it, like, I'm not saying that season's over. Don't get me wrong. It's not. You have a game on Tuesday and you just chip away one game at a time at this point, just like you hopefully have been in your mindset. And just go back to freaking simple hockey. Throw the puck on net and get the greasy goals because that's how you're going. You're going to face Varlamov on Tuesday night. Like, Grice is not going again. I can guarantee you that. We can guarantee you that. So you can't get the analytics out of your head and just play simple hockey. Bingo. You couldn't say any better myself. So I'm not even going to. So nice job, Bill. Yeah, but thank you. It, it's the it's the absolute truth. You need to play simple hockey, and that too with that Vigneault is going to be here for a while. They will have cracks at it. We talked about before the shutdown how this team might. Well, really, I don't know if you were on board with it, but um, I know I said it. I thought this team was good enough to get to a conference final. Hey, look, and our prediction was the beginning of the year. Beginning of the year, I was round. hesitant. I didn't know how good this Listen, team was going to adapt. Yeah, they, I, I, I mean, look, you were. I, I had, a, I knew they were going to win a playoff round this year. I thought that yeah, the round, right, right around the shutdown happened. This team had enough talent and enough uh, the way the players were, the way the team was playing to get to a conference final. And look. They're kind of still on a verge of that. It's not like it's out the window. It's not like no team has ever come back from 3-1 before. Look, the Flyers, I believe, are 1-17 when they're down 3-0, and the only time they're down 3-1, and the only time they've ever done it is when they beat Boston. And they <laughs> so, were down 3-0 for that. 3-0 they were at that completely point. completely down. Look, it's not outside the realm of the possibility. This is a wake-up call for this team, knowing that their back's against the wall. They just lost back-to-back games the first time since January. You got to think this team's coming out with fire on Tuesday. They're going to stretch this thing out. I would not be surprised to see this thing go at least six, possibly even seven games. I'm still holding my prediction. The Islanders are going to win this thing only because you can see throughout the first four games, they are clearly the much better team, but these guys are tested. They went through a ride last year. They know how to win in the playoffs. Lou Lamoureux is in their front office. You just, you, they play a very disciplined, boring, quote unquote, boring style of hockey, but that's what wins you games in the playoffs. That's what wins you cups. Look at the Blues last year. Same concept. They kind of played boring hockey, nothing too flashy. It won them the cup. So, and you know lot- what? And to that point, what I think is, the Flyers are clearly more playing their game than playing their own game at the same time as having this analytic stuff stuck in their heads and all that to that point. But I, I think if the Flyers stop, try, if they stop trying to, I don't want to say stoop down, but go to the level of what the Islanders are playing and just go back to what they're playing. I know that's e- way easier said than done to play your game against a skilled team like the Islanders. But again, if you're able to go back to the game you were playing in early March, early February, when you were the hottest team in the NHL and the round Robin, I get the round Robin wasn't as intense. And it was completely true. What Claude Giroux said leading into the Montreal series of how less intense the, 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 qualifier or excuse me the the round robin was compared to the qualifiers and he was 100 percent right but if you're able to go back to your style hockey and not try and go down to the level of the islanders hockey like this series completely flips on its head i can guarantee you it's at least going to six is it going to seven 
like maybe a 15% chance. Take one game at a time. Exactly. But like, that's all you have to do. And like, I, again, it's going back to whatever's in, whatever's clouding the top six minds, uh, in terms of just creating chances, creating offense, um, really playing defense as well. Cause like, it just seems like they're scatterbrained on the defense, defensive side of the puck as well. No, they've played solid defensively. They're chasing the game a little bit because the Islanders will force the play down low and play the high low play. The high low play, basically. and that gives the that gives the image that they're scatterbrained because when and, you're down and they're low, they're shooting. They're yeah. shooting when they have open space. They're not. They're not making the extra pass. They're putting the pucks on that and causing havoc. So when those rebounds pop out, if you know they're not swallowed up, the the defense can kind of look scrambled. That's just playing a simple game. But the Flyers are chasing it. They're not playing it. Now, yeah. Defensively, overall, they've been solid in this series. I think they've been very, very solid overall. A couple turn like the turnover on the first goal tonight was atrocious. They've had a couple of those turnovers in the series, but I would say ninety-five percent of the defense they played has been pretty, pretty solid. So I mean, Back to, actually, just spe- speaking of uh, bad turnovers, the goal that led to the in Game Three, the goal that led to the game-winning goal for the Islanders with five seconds left in the second period. Uh, it was a little bit of a fluky play. Like the fly, I think it was, I think it was Konechny that tried to clear the puck. It might, I may, I might be wrong on who it was, but they flipped the puck in the air and Islander knocked it down that created the eventual chance. People were saying that that puck was offside. I yes, back, I know what you're talking about. I don't do you, know. I, I don't know. I, if you, I, th- I thought a- if people were complaining about AV not challenging that. Why? It's a good, I, it's a smart I th- move. Yeah, it's a smart move. Not because, not just because it, I don't think he would have won that, but not because. But if he didn't win that, then you're on the third. You're starting the third period of man down because you'd cause the quote unquote delay of right. game exactly. is the penalty, which I think exactly. is like. So I think what it just seemed like it because of how weird it looked because I think that puck was still on the onside because it was still in the air. Obviously, anything in the air is going to look a little different compared to what's on the ice uh, in terms of depth, perception, and perspective and all that, but. I like. I think also people just have still haunting memories of 1980 and the offside call, non-offside call that in that neon stickle. Yeah, know. like you I know play. that that I, just because you brought up the turnovers that that struck that stuck out to me. That was in my notes for. Uh, we obviously we decided. My God, those pads are ugly. Sorry. Um, oh, you're watching the game now? Well, the Phillies lost, so I flipped. I flipped back to the. But it was, it was like <laughs> I a told you, man. Her. They're gaudy. It's too much. It's too damn much. You, you anyway, don't need that. They're just they're ridiculous. Anyway, but um, I, I think it was a smart move by Av not to challenge that and then try and get them team going because I, I, Leon Stickle is going to always be stuck in the minds of this team uh, until they win a, another cup because that that was probably their best chance since. In 1980, up until again in 2004, 1997. Well, I mean, don't forget they went to the final in '85 and '87 as well. Yeah, they took Edmonton to seven games. So, um, right, it's they, tough to beat the great one, though. Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> they didn't win. They didn't lose four. They didn't win four straight for without a reason. They went to five. They went to five straight and won four of them. The only one they lost was against the Islanders in '83. So, um, yeah, it, look at the end of the day, it. There's a lot of positives to take out of this. You got a young team that's gaining a lot of experience. You still have life in the series, even though it doesn't seem like it. The the fourth game is always the hardest to win. It's always the hardest to win. So 
I, you I saw don't that, ex- and you saw that in Montreal series with the yeah, Flyers. Like, they really struggled in game five, game six, before yeah. they finally shut it down. Right, exactly. And I, I don't think the Flyers are just going to roll over and die here. I think, if anything, you saw them play probably their best game of the series tonight. Uh, honestly, you really, really did. I mean, look, you had a 3 nothing lead because of three goals early in the first, and you shut down after that. And then next thing you know, I mean, you shut out in the first game. That was awful. Second game, you score three early, but then you blow it. You were lucky enough to win that in overtime. Last yesterday's game, I mean, look, we talked about it with Carter Hart. That he's going to have to work on adding more of a blocking style because he's been beaten on those under-the-arm plays so much this season, and that is the fine line between a, a starting good goaltender and an elite goaltender is that he's going to have to fix that. He really is, and he'll work at it. And but tonight was their best game. Like their offense looked like it was pretty consistent. They hit a really, really hot goaltender. Grice, they had him moving early and kind of flopping around a bit. And then when he settled down, he was in it. He was locked in. So um, he made a ridiculous save. I think it was late in the first that he kind of like he he was flailing on on the left side of the post, yep. and then he like turned his body and made a, a really nice. Uh, he just covered the puck on the right side to be able to get his arm across. And I think that's what changed it for him. As soon as he made that save, he settled down and he got like he was still. Flyers made some decent chances of getting him to move around and everything. Thing, but at the end of it, Grice just kind of that, – that gave him the extra confidence Grice needed to really uh, settle himself uh, no. to lead the eventual win. No, you're absolutely right, and that's exactly what it was is that you know you hit a goaltender who was confident, and that's the key word is that he came in as a spot start just like Elliot did. They both played very well. Just, I mean, look, at the end of the day, one more, one more puck beat Elliot. You can't – you can't, and nobody should look at this and blame goaltending for anything. Even last game, like Carter played, made a lot of really good saves last game. It's just the types of goals he gave up. It's just you got to have those, but he'll get them as he gets older. Um, look, let's just keep your heads up. We, there's still hockey to play. The, the good thing is we're going to have at least one more game here. So, yeah. you know, we're going to have at least one more game here. We're going to have one more game to talk about. And then from there, we'll see what happens. Hey, hopefully we're talking about playing another game after that. But if not, then we'll start talking about things that we need to look forward to for next season because this experience these players are getting is invaluable. And it's really good yeah. for this team That's as a whole. A great point. It's invaluable. Like these, they're, they're kids, man. A lot of these players are still kids, young, first, second, third year players. Some of them have more experience, but they're still younger and need to learn how to work as a group together. So, um, this is going to be regardless one way. Sometimes you need to learn how to lose before you win. So, uh, let's hope it doesn't happen right now. But you know, if it does, hey, look, it. <laughs> this is a better season than most of us had expected. But and the thing is, it's, we're still going, so it's not over yet. Don't think it is because you're down 3-1. Stranger things have happened. If you want to look at the craziest thing that's ever happened in a 3-1 series, go back to San Jose and Vegas in last year's playoffs. Watch games six, 5, 6, and 7. You will lose your damn mind. Yeah. So it's very pop. I mean, I'll spoil for you now. The Sharks won game 5. Then they won game 6 in double overtime shorthanded. And then in game 7, they were down 3 nothing with less than 10 minutes to play, tied it took the lead, blew the lead with a minute left, and then won it in overtime. Down 3-1, <laughs> down 3 nothing in the ser- in, in, in Game 7, and then did the same thing, just coming back to win the damn thing. So does it happen every year? No. But does it happen? Yes, it does. So it's uh, 
keep your heads up. We still got at least one more game to play here. Hopefully we're looking at two, maybe even three, and then hopefully another up to seven more. So let's go from there. So the next game is, oh my God, it's September on Tuesday. Jesus. So Tuesday. In a normal year, they'd just be reporting a training camp right around September. This is, this is all, I don't, I don't, I forget what they're supposed to start the next season. I think December. December, It was December. Okay. Mm -hmm. Either way. So Tuesday, September 1st, uh, seven o'clock is game five. Um, your prediction, where where are we at here? I think the Flyers pull it out. I think it's a tight one. I think it's like a 4-3 game. I think I see. A, a little – I don't think they're going away quietly. Um, I, you know, I, I just – with the team, the way – they just lost back-to-back. They just lost two games in a row for the first time since January. You've got to bet that's going to light a fire under the rest, especially since the fact that they're um, facing elimination here. Uh, their their yeah. season is on the line if they lose. These guys are not ready to go home yet. They're not ready to give it up. Um, yeah, they're going to push back hard. You're going to see a different team come out here. You're going to see a much different team come out here. I don't I don't know if it's going to be Claude, but I need someone on this team Connecting. to do what Claude did in 2010 against Boston or excuse me, in 2012 against Pittsburgh when Claude said to Peter Laviolette at the time and said, I want the first shift. Give me that first shift. Dude, I'll tell you doesn't, what, have to, Jake. doesn't have to be Claude yet. Like if it's – Jake's probably been the, the best top oh, six, and that's been not – a monster. He's been a monster, but the, it's 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 – for the top six standard, it's, it's not a high bar to clear, but he has been clearing – Many bars in terms of his play. Clearing his been, bar, absolutely. I don't yeah. know where they got this extra gear out of him, man, but it is ridiculous. So good. it'd be nice if if Voracek. I think that I think yeah, I'll agree with you there. That's a good consensus for just go to AV the the night before or the day at two, three or four hours before and said, give me that, give me the first shift, coach, and let me see what I can do. Uh, and pot one right in the first five minutes of the game, first two minutes of this game. Like you can't dilly dally here. You got like you can't you can't let New York Islanders linger because you saw what you did in the in game two. You went up three nothing early. You got Varlamov pulled, and yeah, you kind of sat back and you let the Islanders sneak back in it and had to win in overtime. But you had them on the brink there in terms of just their confidence was destroyed. If you scored, I think you put it, uh, you brought up that, I think it was a power play attempt uh, that they, if they were able to convert on that, that game would have been way over before we even were taught close to that overtime. So you need something. You need to jump on this team early to get them moving and, or to get their confidence down. Um, I think the Flyers, I'm so, I'm so, a two-one overtime. I think oh. it's going to be that kind of game. That, I, okay, right. I think two-one overtime. I think they. I think. I think they figure out this turnover bullshit. Like this turnover crap has been what has really been the problem because they have created a lot of turnovers, or excuse me, caused a lot of turnovers in their own zone uh, that set up easy goals for the Islanders and, and left uh, Carter Hart and, 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 and Elliot uh, just kind of with their legs between their tail, like tail between their legs. Like, mm-hmm. so they got to figure out this turnover thing before. And I think the rest will come. I, I, I especially for the, for the, the blue line. Agreed. So two, uh, one, I, okay, all right. I'll go, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Two on overtime. We go to game six, and then we just go from there. Let's see what happens. Uh, 
Yeah, all that's all do. you can really do. Uh, that is going to do it for episode 47. I don't want to say his name, but if you don't know who number 47 is on the Flyers, formerly uh, Eric Wellwood is what we'll go with. But there's another guy that I, I I just don't want to bring up his name anymore because he has haunting memories for me. So if you don't know who it is, you can look it up yourself. Uh, that is going to do it for Orange and Backcheck episode 47. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Orange and Backcheck Podcast. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We will talk to you Tuesday night, hopefully after a Game 6, Game 5 win. I'll get games right at some point, I promise you, Scott. Game 5, Tuesday night. We'll talk to you then. Player, win one, we play again. You're still there. Uh-oh. I lost Scott. He's come through for them. Oh, there he is. Now I got him.